I don't know about you, but I've been massively encouraged this week. Um, I've been massively encouraged this morning. Uh, It's wonderful. Um, Hands up anyone who is looking forward to breaking fast in two weeks' time. Yeah, God bless you. Keep going. Keep keep going, um, and uh, and let's pray that the, the, the more beans is not not uh, too much of a problem. Um, I I, I want to say I want to encourage you. We we've had some fantastic times of prayer recently. Um, I'd agree with Roy actually, uh, who fed back to the elders that last Sunday was probably one of the best times of prayer, family prayer that we've had, um, and of course. I think that should encourage us for more, not go, oh, yeah, well, yeah, we didn't do well. And that's not Roy's heart. It's not our heart. So I want to encourage you. Um, I've seen God at work in and through your prayers this week. I've seen, I, I've seen some healing. Um, I really want to share now, but I'm going I'm to mull it over because I think I haven't heard the full end yet. Uh, but there's some exciting news. Some of you know bits of it, but I think there's more yet to come. And I want to pray for more and more of that. I've seen people this week being vulnerable in real brokenness in life. And I've been so blessed to just have some beautiful times of fellowship with some of you. And so thank you. Um, Graham, on on, uh, the other night at a a ministry team leader's evening, he just said he he looked quite overwhelmed. And um, he's the guy you'll see outside there he is. There he is. I didn't know where you were. Um, and he just, he said, you know, family. I look around this room and it's family that I, I sense and I feel. And what I loved was his next point, which was he wanted family to grow. He, his heart was, he wants the, the family of God to increase, to increase. And thank you. That was a massive encouragement and provocation as well. Um, so we're in our mini-series, Up, In and Out. Fantastic. It's probably been there for ages, hasn't it? Sorry. Sorry, Alex. Um, last week, Hugh spoke to us about first things first, about loving God with all that we are and with all that we've got. And that would be our first thing. And as elders, we always want to encourage you, whatever your circumstances, whether you've had a great week or a really rough week, in all your circumstances, you will look up to Jesus. You will look up to him first and foremost for everything and for every day. That's our heart desire, okay? Because it's guaranteed success. Um, I, I just want to put another encouragement. Uh, Hugh mentioned life groups and new life group leaders. The Andrews and the Marshes, just thank you. I'm trying to look and find you, and I can't find you in the room, but thank you for stepping up to lead life groups, and thank you, life group leaders. Thank you, all of our leaders right across this church, serving diligently with perseverance. It's wonderful to journey with all of you, okay? There's no stragglers. (laughs) It's popped in my head again. No trolls left behind, okay? Probably most of you haven't seen this not very good movie, um, Trolls, uh, and, and, uh, but, but it, that, that was their motto. No trolls left behind, okay? There's no trolls left behind. And I just felt like in my last minute preach prep yesterday, I was like, really, God? Uh, and just there's nobody in the church of God, in the people of God, who gets left behind 
okay, or who has no place in his church, in his people, okay? Um, so I just wanted to say that from the outset. Um, and we're called to follow Jesus day by day. We want you to do that. But as we follow Jesus, none of us do this on our own, okay? Um, it is true that we enter the kingdom of God one at a time, one at a time. But there's nothing biblical about individualism. It was always God's plan to have a people for himself, not individual persons, okay? So if you're in Christ, you are part of the largest worldwide family, and there are brothers and sisters all around. There's brothers and sisters all around this room in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. Um, <coughs> God's called us to community. So today we're looking in. We're looking at community and God's priority in his community. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get stuck into some scripture. Father in heaven, we long to love, fear and revere you more and more. We long to know you more and more. We've prayed it, we've sung it this morning to see you as you are and to show the world who you are. We long to see men, women and children saved and added to your church. To make disciples here in Colchester and over in San Francisco and wherever else you call us to. Thank you, Father, that you are at work in us to will and to do your good pleasure. Lord Jesus, you are our daily bread. Help us to look to you for all our nourishment. Thank you that you're faithful to cleanse us from all sin. All we need to do is confess and come back to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you sustain us. You intercede for us and you are our righteousness. Thank you, Father, that you always provide an escape when temptation comes. And through Christ, you have delivered us from evil and brought us to yourself to be your treasured possession. Amen. Amen. So we begin in Exodus. Um, <laughs> that's a nice small, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to whiz through Exodus here because many great men have done many great things and preached on it. Um, I really would encourage you to get hold of Terry Virgo's latest book, God's Treasured Possession. It's a fantastic book. He has a great gifting to just help you see things clearly. Um, but anyway, enough of that, that pun, and uh, I'll get my fee from Terry later. Um, but, but in Exodus, we, we've, we, before we read these scriptures together, God has delivered his people. He's delivered them on dry land. He's separated the seas at the Red Sea. He's seen them walk through safely. They've come out of Egypt. They've even plundered Egypt as they've left. And Pharaoh and his entire army have been annihilated. There's no enemy. There's not an enemy left. When, if, you're, if you're a follower of Christ and the enemy comes and he tries to convince you that you're still his, he tends to do it right off the back of when you've stuffed up, you've tripped up, yeah? And he tries to convince you, you, you haven't stopped doing this. You haven't given up this. 
you're still my slave. Well, maybe just remind yourself and maybe remind him how many of Pharaoh's army were left. The enemy he's defeated utterly and completely. We're not slaves to sin anymore. We are slaves, but thankfully we're slaves to righteousness because we're in Christ. So God has set the people free. And he calls them to himself and he says, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, utterly annihilated. And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to the promised land. No, to myself. First and foremost, to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He's, the Lord is God over all of creation. It's all his, the world and everything in it. And he says, although the, the whole earth is mine, I want you. I want you. God spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and he spoke of a unique people that were going to be his. He promised Abraham that through his seed, he was going to have a people as numerous as the stars. And through them, God was going to bless the nations. We've heard of it. We've sung of it. We're seeing it. He's going to bless the nations. And here at the Exodus, many, many years later, he, he takes these slaves from Egypt, not really a people, and he says, now you are my people. Once you weren't, now you are. And this is a picture for us today, his church. When Jesus obeyed fully and he kept covenant perfectly, we can have total and utter assurance that we are God's treasured possession. There's some disruptive smirkies down here at the front. They're very naughty. Um, and I thought, if I've got a big hair or something like that hanging off me, I won't be able to concentrate. Um, <laughs> but it's lovely to see a husband and wife giggle together. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she obviously just announced something very profoundly uh, wonderful to me there. Um, <laughs> Terry Virgo puts it like this in his book. The chief end of God in the creation of man was to have a special people to whom he could say, I am theirs and they are mine. If we look at some of these scriptures here, they're beautiful. They will be my people and I will be their God. That's pretty direct and straightforward. My dwelling place will be with them and I will be their God and they will be my people. In Jeremiah 24, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God for they will return to me with all their heart. And Leviticus, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Stunning promises from God. Reassurances that actually he will be our first thing because he has said our hearts will return to him. He is faithful. We might 
stumble, we might fail, but he is always faithful. In the Old Testament, God dwelt amongst his people in the tabernacle. With the coming of Jesus, John says in chapter 1, he said, the word, who was God, became flesh and dwelt. Literally, that word is tabernacled. He dwelt among them, amongst us. And they saw the glory of God in the only Son from the Father. When Jesus ascended again, he said, I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm not leaving you as orphans, but as sons. And that's who we are, sons of the living God. In First Peter, the, the scriptures from Exodus that we've just read are echoed. Peter sees that the church is the fulfillment of those prophecies now that Jesus has come. That's who we are. If, if you're in Christ, you're part of his people, the chosen people of God. And it, it talks about, can we have the next slide, please, Alex? It talks about a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We've had people, I think, prompted by the Holy Spirit praying about that this week. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Priests are people who tell others about God and, and lead them to follow God obediently and joyfully. And here, God is saying, all of you, you're all my chosen people. So, so if you're a follower of Christ, you're part of his royal priesthood. You're part of this holy nation. Priests also minister to God. To be a holy nation speaks of being set apart to him exclusively. Living holy lives because he's holy. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're slaves to righteousness. We are saints, holy ones. But we do sin. We sin, but he is faithful to cleanse us again when we come to him and confess. <clears throat> I don't know why you're here. Like we said at the beginning, hopefully it's to meet with God. Yeah, but there'll be many, many other reasons. Perhaps you're just trying to figure out who this Jesus is or what the heck we're all doing on a Sunday and the rest of our lives or going to San Francisco. Perhaps you're here because you're appeasing somebody else or you love them or you think you should. Whatever the reason, I'd humbly say, you are here. You are here. And you're very welcome. Can we have the next slide, please, Alex? In the New Testament, just after the birth of the new church, Jesus commissions us. Again, we've heard this today already. He says, all authority in heaven and earth 
has been given to me. Go, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you until the end of the age, until he comes back. He'll be with us by his Spirit. By definition, the people of God are sent ones. We're, we're told to go. We're on a journey. We are people on the move. We are not static. In Mark, it says that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm massively grateful that so many of you testified that how welcome you felt when you started coming along to Redeemer, how included, how you, you quickly felt, yeah, Redeemer is home. I'm so grateful for that. It, I, I love seeing men and women added to the church and finding their place, finding their role, finding their feet. It's in community where disciples are made, where they're baptized, taught, and equipped to do those works that God has planned in advance for each one to do. <coughs> the church is meant to be attractive. Before you, before you go there, I don't mean like, don't mean like that, or like that, but attractive to to those looking in, to those seeking, maybe to those who are not, and they're like, "What is this? Who is this?" Um, from my early days of setting foot in the church, in my late 20s, um, it hadn't been long uh, since, since I needed alcohol to feel sociable. In my 20s, I'd got to the stage where I couldn't be amongst people without being half cut at least. I boasted about how much I could drink. I look back now and I think, man, you know, how much booze did this body take? You know? And here I was meeting people who there was no way I could tell them about that. No way they could know a real Thomas. This is another one you won't believe. You'll be thinking, what, one of my pastors, an alcoholic. Um, I used to lift weights. <laughs> I don't know which is more or less believable. I, I was a gym, I nearly said a gym bunny, that's not right, is it? A gym, whatever. I, I love the gym. I live for, you know, having great pecs and things like that. Uh, never particularly big, but, but uh, you know, fairly strong for my size. Um, and so that's what I presented. I, I couldn't be amongst people, but God chose me. God saved me, and he drew me to himself through these people, through people who I was like, I, you and you, and how are you together in this community? It didn't add up. They, they were totally different people, yet there was a oneness in them that I was like, you know, well, maybe weird alky pumping Tom might find a place here. Thankfully, he died. He died. 
and the new Tom Allen in Christ was born. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You get all like, phew. <laughs> I wasn't confessing any alcoholism. Um, uh, but, you know, just it was stunning. It was stunning. The church should be attractive. It should draw people to God, ultimately. Okay? Um, <laughs> I, I'd done a... Some of you may know this. Um, some of you be like, really? Another? Really? Um, expose on Tom Allen. Uh, I have a master's in philosophy, um, which I've got to say doesn't make me very smart at all. Um, but I came out of doing a master's, and I had no idea, really, who I was or what life was all about until I stepped foot in church. I can remember the first time, excuse me, um, in a church in Oxford hearing a guy preach, and I was like, who, who told him about me? Who told him about me? They opened the good book and they read me like an open book. And, and some of you will know that experience. And it's wonderful. There's nowhere to hide from God. There's nowhere to hide. You don't need to. There's no point. Um, <laughs> when he says, where are you? It's not because he doesn't know where you are. <laughs> He's just drawing you out. Um, those were wonderful days. God drew me to himself through his church. And, and many of you have been drawn here and added to us. And it's great. Um, one thing I would say is that I was discipled a long time before I knew it. I was being discipled way before I went, ah, Ah, yes, I'm a disciple of Christ now, long before. So I encourage you, don't wait. You know, teach, lead, help people. Be discipled by, by being a disciple and disciple many others. I love seeing people added to God's community. But, and if you're like me, this is a risk. Community in itself isn't the end goal. It's not the ultimate goal. We do want the fire down, but we don't want to remain in these four walls, all right? We, we can't become, <laughs> and from my history now, you can see where it comes from, we can't become codependents, yeah, who just are about each another's needs. That, that's, not, that's not God's picture or heart. The church's invitation is not, come to us, but rather, come with us. We're on a journey together with Jesus, for God, for his glory and the good of the nations. We've been called to go to all the world to make disciples of all nations. Beloved, this world, this whole world needs evangelizing. When, when friends go to, to Holland, to San Francisco, back to their home nations after studying, maybe up the road to Chelmsford, if, you'll probably see me shed a few tears. But I will rejoice with them. I will rejoice because, look, worst case scenario, I might never see them again six months, that's all. We might never see each other again in this life, but I know that we will see each other in glory. That's the journey we're on. That's the journey. You know, Paul wrote about tears as we say goodbye on the beach. And, you know, that's real. But, but they're, they're not the final word on it. 
They're not the final word on it. That's why we use the phrase community on mission, okay? If you're like me, you'll be like, ooh, community. Some of you might be like, mission, come on. Al's a bit more like that, okay? But it's not either or. It's community on mission, not community or mission. <coughs> community on mission. Our mission is what defines us as a community. That's how we've all come to be here, because people have shared with us. He have encouraged us and drawn us in to his people. So what does community on mission look like? Acts 2 will appear on the screen any second now. Here's a beautiful picture of what community on mission looks like. It's stunning, it's challenging, um, but it's so wonderfully comprehensive as well. Right before we read this account, God has poured out his Holy Spirit on his New Testament church. They've been filled. They've spoken in other languages, and people have gone, what's going on here? And Peter's had to point out, they're not drunk like Tom Allen. Um, they're actually speaking other languages. They're praising God. We, we had a word today of, of praise, a Godward word of praise in another language, and we had an interpretation of that so that we're not confused, so that non-believers aren't going, what on earth is he doing? <laughs> it's good hosting, guys. Everyone was filled with awe and wonder. It says, they, the, the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, daily, daily. We've been praying for one a week, okay, daily. Wow, what devotion, signs, wonders, people cared for, the, need, the needy provided for, people being saved and added. I wondered, here's a challenging question to me. I'm sure you guys are doing great in many ways. But who are we devoted to? Who are we devoted to? Who is it that gets our time, our attention, our money, our possessions, our abilities, our talents? The world will say, you just need more me time. I'm not sure I need to be with me anymore. Um, if you feel the same way, you can gladly keep that to yourself. Um, but I'm not sure I need more me time. Um, and and <laughs> joking aside, how much time do we spend praying? How much time do we spend um, reading the Bible? Versus, I don't know, next Netflix or whatever hobby you have. How much time do we give to it? How much time do we give to prayer? 
Here's a challenging one for me. If you have need financially, would you tell somebody? Would you come to somebody in the church and say, I'm stuck, I need help? I find that massively humbling because I've got pride about it. <laughs> if you know about a situation, will you, will you discreetly, carefully tell your elders? Or if you have the means, will you help out a brother or sister in their need? Will you take that initiative? It's just pride when we don't share. Look, if we, if we really believe that all good gifts come from the Father, that he's given us everything, then why would we be feeling shame when we are struggling financially? Or why would we feel proud when we help somebody else out? We needn't, needn't have either of those. Um, many years ago, in another church, somebody that none of you know, um, um, at the end of a Sunday, a guy came up to me, big, burly guy, new Christian, um, and he was due to get married soon to a really godly woman who had a reputation for saving her money. I think she was one of those few students who came out of being a student with savings. Um, God bless them. Uh, I was not. And he came to me and said, I, I, he looked so scared, and I was a bit, wow, you're a big guy, Why, what are you so scared about? Bailiffs had been knocking on his door, demanding he pay back the money that he owed. They were coming back the following week, and they were going to take pretty much most of his possessions unless he coughed up. He asked how much. They wouldn't tell him, and he was distraught. So being a great, awesome, holy guy, what did I do? I prayed for him. I was being sarcastic, by the way. Just Sorry, that's not helpful, but I prayed for him. I prayed. I said, Father, would you provide for him all that he needs? And as the words left my lips, I felt the Holy Spirit agree with me entirely. <laughs> and he said, yes, Tom, yes, you give him the money. Um, yeah, you, you guessed it right. I was like, ah, well, look, okay, James is clear. If, if you have the means and a brother's in need, yeah, you help. You do what you can. You don't go, I wanted to go, oh, God be with you. Bless you, brother. Be well fed and clothed. That's what, that was my heart. And God knew it. And he's like, mm-mm, think again. Um, anyway, I went home. Nicole and I chatted. We decided what we thought we could give. And uh, we tried to give it anonymously, I think, didn't we? Um, yeah, which was hopeless. He, he knew straight away it was us. He came and found me anyway. And he said, you know, when the bailiffs came a week later, he said, the money that you guys had given me was nearly the exact amount to the penny. He didn't know. God knew. <laughs> and he was like, Jim, gone. And he was so blown away. More recently, in Life Group, um, I heard of a student she shared um, from a background with not lots of money. And in Redeemer, somebody just blessed her with a financial gift, and her socks were blown off. I was nearly in tears just hearing about it. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. 
we needn't be in need. <laughs> we needn't be in need. Let's alleviate one another's needs where we can. Here's a question. I didn't run it by you guys before. Are your leaders in Redeemer humbly following Jesus in a way that helps you to follow Jesus? <coughs> you can answer that one later. Um, look, imagine people being saved day by day. Well, as elders and, and with others, we've been praying for one a week regularly. And I think we're seeing some encouraging signs. I think we are. But would you come with us and stand with us in prayer and pray for one a week, then two a week, then three a week, then daily for whatever God chooses to do? Would you do that? Would you join us? Sorry. What about prayer? The early church devoted themselves to prayer and prison doors were blown open. People were healed. People were saved. <laughs> as, as, as individual people of God, we're called to feed on Jesus day by day. Let him be our nourishment. Learn from others. Learn from others by praying with others. I've learned so much from Al and Hugh and many, many other brothers and sisters over the years by hearing them pray. It's wonderful when you get stirred up and you feel in the spirit, I'm going to pray this, and then somebody else prays it. It's wonderful because you're like, okay, it's fine. I don't have to go, oh, you stole my words. I'm going to like, it's one spirit. It's one faith. It's one God. We're one church, and we're all praying the same thing. This is good news. Let us pray for boldness. Let us pray for power like that we see in Acts. Let us be those who preach the gospel unabashed, not worried. You really don't need a philosophy masters to preach the gospel. In the new church, it was a bunch of uh, uneducated, probably fairly a bit well, tough and louty, certainly more than me, Peter's fishermen. Who are these guys, the authorities would say? Where are they getting their wisdom from? From God. Let's familiarize ourselves with the promises of God in his scripture. But also, let's become increasing, increasingly familiar with prophecies that he brings to us as a people, as a local church. Pray into them. That way, our, our praying becomes more specific more effective, clear, and we can come with greater confidence. We're not going, um, can I ask for this or not, God? We know because he's promised things. There's lots he's promised to us at Redeemer that we can pray in together. Pray through the Psalms. If you want to learn how to pray, you know, that, that's something I love doing. It's a fantastic way to renew your mind and learn how to wield the sword of the Spirit. It's the word of God when you need to. Keep feeding on Jesus. If we do this, we do it together more and more, then when we raise our hands in prayer, we will see Jesus win battles in this place, in our lives and through our lives and way beyond. We'll see it happen. We're seeing it happen more and more. Some of us need to learn to pray with more thanksgiving, and maybe less 
anxiety. When we bring our requests to God, he's not stingy or mean or grumpy. It's the year of the Lord's favor. He's glad to bless you with good gifts. That's his default. Again, knowing God and his promises will equip us to pray well. I'm going to call up the band. I've spoken plenty long enough. Um, If you guys can come up. We're going to respond in some sung worship together. I just want to remind you that we are God's treasured possession, his community. It's always been God's plan from the beginning. Terry Virgo puts it like this. The chief end of God in the creation of man was to have a special people to whom he could say, I am theirs and they are mine. We're God's community on mission. And our invitation for any who are exploring, who are desiring to follow Jesus more, or maybe just seeking him out, is come with us. We'll do you good. We'll do you good. We're about proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus. He's the one who has taken us. If you're in him, he's the one who took you out of darkness and brought you into his kingdom of marvelous, wonderful light. And we run with him now. Lastly, and I definitely know this is of God because it's been spoken about this morning already. And you might be thinking, well, why are you saying it again? But I remember being in church, and I would not have said I was a Christian, but I felt provoked to pray this prayer. And it was, <laughs> there was a kind of subtitle of like, if you're real, the faith was tiny, the smallest of mustard seeds. And I just, I felt prompted to pray, show me what you want me to do. And whatever it is, I'll do it. He showed me, and I did it. And I keep following him. This morning, I want to encourage you, if you're part of Redeemer, or even if you're not, ask him, show me, what do you want me to do? We're looking for men and women, leaders. Yes, with gifting, but primarily with godly character. As we grow, as we mature, we're going to need more and more leaders. Ask God, even today, what is it that you want me to do? Whatever it is, I'll do it. Jesus said, this is my last point, just a point. He said that the fields are white with harvest, but the laborers are few. Let's be praying for laborers and let's labor in prayer together. Amen. Amen.